and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Today, we have Aaron Hansen with us, or as you might know him, half of the gaming animation channel, Game Grumps. You might know him from creating Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator, or their most recent game, Soviet Jump Game. Two very different games. Uh, appropriate for a very complex, interesting artist that is Aaron. We learn about his love for dance and his mother's healing horse therapy center. There's a lot to unpack in this episode. I had a wonderful conversation with Aaron and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Aaron, thank you for being here. Wow, thank you for having me. This is oh. very cool. I get to see people finally after five months. I know. I was going to ask, how are you doing? But I also feel like right now that's a very loaded question to ask people because it's like, do we really want the answers for how people are doing? Man, it's all over the map. I have some friends that are like, dude, I've never been more creatively satisfied in my life. And I have other people who are like, I wish I were dead right now. Yeah, I no, mean, I agree. Those are the two ends of the spectrum and uh, there's no in between. But also for someone like you who does 12,000 things at the same time, I'm sure this situation must feel a little uh, complicated because you have nothing but time now to work on these 12,000 things, but then you have nothing but time to work on these 12,000 things. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Just, I'm, try I'm trying to focus on like the self-care stuff, you know, like get, get a little bit deeper into meditation and like take care of my body, losing weight and stuff. So nice. It's, it's, mostly that stuff it's it's weird there's like a total creative i don't know my brain just wants to be in different spaces mm -hmm. and when i'm in the same space all the time it's it sort of creates like a creative damper and i don't like feel super creative although doing the show that we do game grumps regularly has been a huge it's been nice to have something that's like regular and it's like okay every monday totally. we do this and it's a thing and well this is my friend dan Okay, I, to people that have no idea who you are and what you do, uh, when I talk to someone that wears many hats, does many things, I like to ask them, what is your deal? How do you describe what your deal is to someone that you've just met for the first time? Uh, oh, man. Well, I, know, I, I, I hate usually... to put you on the spot, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's like, it's like I have to imagine myself in the back of an Uber, right? Like, right, yeah, <clears throat> having polite conversation <laughs> until you get to your destination. <laughs> yeah, um, I usually try, I usually start by saying I'm a comedian, mm -hmm. um, which, which is technically true. Um, but then I have to elaborate and say, like, you know, I, I mostly do a YouTube show. Um, and then, you know, then it gets into, oh, okay, what is it about? And it's, it's a gaming show. I have a mm -hmm. comedy partner and we do this show where we, we play games every day and um, just be funny over it as, as best of our abilities. And uh, we're not very good at the games. I think that's probably something that people need to be prefaced with if they're going to okay. check us out. We, we're not like Ninja where we're kicking ass at every game. We're, right. we're, we're kind of fumbling through everything. You're much more realistic in your gameplay, I find. As someone who is truly awful at every game that I've ever played, um, and really ha understands fundamentally like how you can get good at a game, but like has never followed through to get to that space. Uh, 
Do you purposely try to stay bad at the games you play? No, I mean, there's some places <laughs> where <laughs> where I, I practiced beforehand just because I knew it was going to be an ordeal if I didn't, if I wasn't that good at it. Um, but there's, I don't feel like there's ever been a point where I'm like, dude, I'm amazing at this game unless it's like for the bit. Right, right, if, right. If I, if, if I come in and I'm like mediocre at the game and I'm like, dude, this is going to, I'm going to blow your minds and then I just die all the time, then that's kind of funny. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm never I'm never like the master at anything. So, okay, walk us through, because I'm fascinated with the world of gaming on YouTube. It's, it's massive, it's complex, it's interesting, but it also is so foreign to me. Uh, when you started Game Grumps, or Game, Game, yeah, Game Grumps, right? I'm saying that, right? Yeah. Okay, for some reason, I call it was Game Gumps for a second. And I was like, is this... <laughs> uh, how did you start that? Did you see this happening on YouTube or did you just kind of play like innocently and then like organically folded into the YouTube situation? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of, it, it did start kind of ironically because I, I was doing, um, I was doing cartoons mostly on YouTube, mm -hmm. which at the time that I was doing that, which was like, you know, eight years ago. Yeah. Um, YouTube functioned a little differently and, you know, you could put out a one minute video and that would be like your jam for the month. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, quickly things changed and luckily I had already started Game Grumps at that point. But, um, even before then, you know, it was just something to do on the side that was fun, you know, get together every week. Um, we, we, we had a regimen where it was literally like we would get together, we'd record episodes, we'd edit the episodes on that day and then just, and then that was it for the rest wow. of the week. And then we would just put them up every day because yeah. you couldn't schedule uploads back then. Right, um, right, right, right. How archaic of us. <laughs> so, so strange, right? It was just, uh, your video went up at 11.01? What? Oh my God. <laughs> um, but uh, quickly we found out that, you know, we, we, we had garnered a pretty decent fan base like right away because it was kind of a super group of sorts. Like we, we both started from uh channels that we had on our own and came together and did this thing so um it was it was already like oh this could be a thing um and so like over the course of a year it it went from a side project to like okay this is the thing mm. um because it was, it was very fulfilling it was very fun i mean it's like getting together and playing video games there's nothing better than that really yeah uh and You're then just out continuing to grow the yeah exactly um, and, and trying to make each other laugh as much as possible. Um, but then, you know, as, as it sort of started to grow and get more of a fan base, it was like, what else can we do with this? Can we, mm -hmm. you know, make other shows? Can we, um, use some of our abilities instead, you know, um, a year into the show, we got my current co-host Dan, who's a singer. So like we, in, in a band called Ninja Sex Party. So like we collaborated on a music thing called Star Bomb. And so it was like, it was like, what what else can we do in this space that that will sort of like um be creatively fulfilling for us that's awesome and so now you work with dan how i'm curious when you find a, a partner to play video games with what's the process in like vetting if they're going to be fun to play with is it like speed dating is it like uh like internet dating it feels like you have to have great chemistry and do you try it out and see if you're both into it so we were dan and i before he was on the show um we, we were working on a song together right okay. um and 
as we were like coming up with more ideas for songs and coming up with song titles one night at like 3 a.m. or whatever, we were just totally cracking each other up. And like, I hadn't laughed that hard just from like one other person interacting in like so long mm-hmm. that there was, there was just, I was like, man, you know, if, if I ever needed like another co-host for something, this would be the guy. And, uh, you know, it, it, it came to be that like, you know, a year in, it was like, oh, I think we do need a new co-host. And he was just the first pick, like bar none. It's, it sounds very romantic to me, to be very honest. Uh, it feels <laughs> like a, a love connection. People do like to like to do, and you know, we yeah, we, we there, into it a little bit. Is there a level of like fan fiction shipping happening between you guys, dude? So much. <laughs> I mean, look, okay, I, I'm learning all this stuff about you. I've been watching all of these interviews with you. I've been learning a lot about your life. Um, so I'm sorry if I seem like a stalker, but that makes sense if you have like the dream daddy game that comes out first i feel like there's uh there's a lot of love inspired in that game uh yes i also think it's interesting that you guys met through music so do music and gaming go together do you find that the audience kind of crosses over for both uh areas um i mean that's this sort of goes back to how uh, what we talked about at the beginning is when I say like what I am, I say I'm a comedian, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I would I would I would look at somebody like a like a shroud or whatever is like that's a gaming streamer, you know, like. The, mm-hmm. But I don't consider myself first and foremost like a gaming YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the comedy comes first, and then the gaming is like the vessel. Uh, so when I look at it like that, you know. Dan came from a comedy music background. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of, it, it sort of meshed really well and he's quick and he has improv experience and stuff. Um, so it was, it was, it was sort of more of that. And, um, and then it became kind of funny that the dynamic was, you know, he's a little older than I am. So we come from like a different, like a slightly different g- generation of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I have experience here and then he has experience here. So sort of seeing like, when I come in and I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. And then when he's like, this is my jam. And I'm like, huh? wow, this is really bringing it back. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's something to learn from each other. It feels like. Yeah. Then there's, then there's that perfect dynamic. And then also like, as we go on, we see what the fans like latched onto and stuff. Like, for example, I'm, I played Sonic games all the time, Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. And like, yep. I have this weird love hate relationship with Sonic the Hedgehog and you know when people watch lot of, that it's yeah very i think that's amazing in a way a lot of people have that have you seen the movie uh, i i, I uh, regrettably have not even though i'm uh, <laughs> uh, entrenched no, in that world i have seen the movie and you are not missing anything you're uh you'd save your money you're good <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's uh it's one of those you wish it was better than it was, and you knew it could have been better than it was. Oh, but yeah. Still, uh, I'm glad that the internet audience created a new sense of animation for it. I think that's helpful. Um, speaking of animation, you're involved in animation, you're involved in voiceover, you're involved in music, you're involved in gameplay. Uh, how have you seen, because I've talked to Alex Clark about this on podcasts before, the animation community on YouTube seems to be growing and thriving in a way that uh, as an outsider is cool to watch what's your point of view 
on that because there's so much work that goes into creating animated pieces to make it look effortless. And I think that's still something that a lot of people forget, like how many hours it takes you to produce a piece of content. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's the real thing, right? Like animation, there's, there's no, there's no like cheat for animation, right? Like it's, yeah. it's just going to take a long time. Um, so I, I think what's interesting about, the animation sphere which i guess is true for most things on youtube but like it was very algorithmically driven you know um like i said when i started i did you know a minute a minute and a half shorts and that was enough um but but then when there was a huge shift in algorithm to be about like regular content daily content long form content um there wasn't really a space for that kind of stuff anymore but then there were sort of the new kids on the block that came around, like the Jaden animations and the odd ones out of the world, where they were like, we can do this sort of like limited style, but make the videos longer. And I don't know if that was like a conscious effort to hmm. to appeal to the algorithm or whatever, but like that was sensational. Like right out the gate, it was like, boom, this hits all the ticks and it still has that sort of animation appeal. Um, so I think that's why we're seeing a lot more animation pop up. And then also, it, it seems as if things are shifting again because I've seen dudes like like Bird and stuff who make like six second animations and they get mm-hmm. like millions of views. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't I don't know in terms of like monetization or whatever how like lucrative that is, but sure, though those things are getting out there as well and getting a lot more attention again. Um, so I think with things like Patreon and stuff, those things are a lot more viable. Because right. then people can just be like, hey, I'll just throw you a couple bucks and you can make a living off of this. Right, right, right. I mean, there it's it's fascinating. It's also fun to hear everyone's um, handles so casually said because they I don't know any of these people. And so to hear you just <laughs> throw out these names that sound like fantasy fiction characters. I'm like, yes, yeah. bird, of course. Uh, yeah. I so understand. Sephiroth 328 is one of my favorite animators of all time. No, <laughs> I, I'm like, that sounds like an antidepressant, but sounds great. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's talk about music. So music's always been in your blood. Music's been something you've done since you were young. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, that's the weird thing, right? Is everyone talks about like, you know, we talk about animation or whatever. People say like, going back to my roots. And it's like, yeah, I did animation like eight years ago. But before that, I was right. just a creative kid. I was just, I was drawing. I was writing music. I was writing poetry. I was like, you were like, an whatever artist. I could. Yeah. yeah, whatever I could to just get the energy out, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And animation was the, the first thing that sort of paid because um, I got contacted by MTV because of one animation that I made on online. Is that um, true? You got contacted yeah, by yeah. MTV? Did they, how did they reach out to you? They're like, hello, uh, we are MTV and we would like to pay you to do your thing. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Like, I, you know, he sent me an email and he was like, let's talk on the phone and... Hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and I had only put out, I, I'd only put out like one cartoon. It was just, it was that sort of sensational cool. and that sort of small sphere on newgrounds.com. So, um, you know, he saw that and he was like, I want that for MTV. I just want little 30 second interstitial bits. Um, and like the pay was garbage, but it was like, oh my God, I'm working for MTV. Yeah. Um, I'm a paid artist. That doesn't happen for people. Yeah, exactly. So I, it was just, it was sort of validation. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, this could be something finally. Um, and then that's why I sort of leaned into it after that, that sort of contract was over. It was like, why don't I just keep doing this? 
Um, and then YouTube came along with monetization and that was like the first time I was really making a living off of it. Um, what was the dang question? Oh, music. <laughs> but along the way, music has been in the background. This has been something that you've been doing. And you said, uh, so you and Dan started Starbomb? Yes, that's correct. Dan, Dan, his musical partner, Brian, who they do yes. Ninja Six Party together, and and me, that was sort of like the, it originally started as just one song. I just had an idea for a song and I was like, who else to collaborate with than my friends who have a band? Right. Um, and then we made the song and we recorded the song and after like we were literally in the booth recording that song and we were just like that was really fun should we do another one and <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, it's so let's, pure let's try another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much and then after the second one we were like i think we could probably do a whole album of this and can we like, do an yeah, album like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it really is like you're building a relationship with each other they're like should we go yeah. on a second date i guess <laughs> but then uh you know, we, we did the, the first album and I did the sort of like debut music video. That was sort of like my, my coming back to animation, I guess. Like people mm -hmm. were very stoked that like after a year or two, I, I put cool. out an animation that I made. Um, and, uh, it was just, you know, it was way bigger than we expected it to be. Cool. Um, and so, so we did two more albums after that. That's Awesome. And, and you've also toured, you've done lots of like live, uh, events and things like that, which I bet for animators, uh, and artists, like you're probably seen as like a low key, like introverted kind of person that to be able to go out on stage and do music is an entirely different, like emotional persona to put on. Do you feel like when you perform music that you become a different person or is it just kind of you on stage, take it or leave it? I love performing in front of a live audience. It's so fun. It's addictive. And dude, feeling that energy of, of this. I mean, that's why we, that's a lot of the reason why we started our touring company, real good touring was, it was just like, we, we loved the like feeling of being on stage and like that energy and stuff. And the, the back end of it was so like, gross like everyone that we worked with um when we were starting out was just sort of like sort of in it to take advantage of us um so we were like why don't we just start a company that's like focused on the fun of it and like mm -hmm. you know the bus composition like what it's like to be on a bus with people and like yeah. pick the right people for that and just make it the plan days off so people can like have fun in a cool town that they've never been in um and so when we, when we sort of did like the test run of our company with Game Grumps, that was like, this is the most fun I've ever had in my life. And like, now we've gone to Europe and, Amazing. um, you know, once this is all over, we're planning to go to like Australia and do some more international stuff. And cool. So, yeah. I was going to ask if there's plans in the future once everything returns to whatever it's going to be. Yeah. It's a little slow right now. I will sure. admit, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we, um, we call it the, uh, on our show uh i don't know have you heard the backstreet boys reunion tour thing uh no <laughs> okay what is this? so we at the at the very beginning of all this stuff going on with the uh -huh. pandemic and everything there was there was a rumor going around that youtube was demonetizing videos that said coronavirus and pandemic and stuff uh -huh. so um when we started recording during that time we instead were like the Backstreet Boys reunion tour is going on like wild now and we got to avoid getting tickets to the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. 
so don't go out and get. I know it's tempting to go out and get those tickets. They're everywhere. You can't. You can't go anywhere without seeing those tickets. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! I love that. Uh, very, so very much. Um, also, I feel like in that same sense that there is a world in which you guys could collaborate with the Backstreet Boys and do a live tour together once everything has returned to normal. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I hope to God or really hope not that they heard <laughs> that bit because they and it was to. and it was there was something there was something so uh, surreal about the fact that they actually were planning on doing a reunion yeah. tour during this time and they no, canceled it <laughs> my friend went to one of their pop-up shows in los angeles and she said it was very poorly attended and she had a great time <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> that's how i was like what about the reunion tour what you got what's the dish what's going on uh that's incredible okay we're gonna take a quick break uh when we get back i want to know about your your, um your mother's healing horse therapy center i want to know about everything that you've been up to in quarantine and i also need to know about this dance reality show that you were on many many moons ago on the youtube platform a big time okay we'll be right back with more not too deep Aaron, um, let's talk about old school YouTube. You're on a dance reality competition show. That's that's right. I was dance showdown. Dance showdown. I watched this show when it aired. Uh, my friend Hannah really? Hart, my friend Hannah Hart was on it, and she oh, did. Oh damn! She did a dance about shoes and having too many shoes in her closet, and it. It's my favorite thing to show her because she's so embarrassed to this day uh, about yeah. that. I, how was your experience on this program? You know, I um, <laughs> that wasn't my first reality show. I did one before that called The Tester, which was like, you know, it was it was this sort of niche uh, about PlayStation and like competing to become a PlayStation tester or something. Um, and that makes which, which was more sense for your brand that you were building at the time yeah but even even then it was it was sort of like a joke that i was going on they, they made you enter like a popularity contest and so i was Fun. all over youtube and like hey, vote for me vote for me and oh yeah um, i i did the king of the web thing that happened years and years and years ago same context same content yeah. like please vote for me that's all yeah um i i had a very negative experience with that i met a lot of very cool people um, right. on the tester, you know, most of the contestants were awesome. A lot oh. of the crew was awesome. Um, but just like the whole experience of like having all the footage cut up and you know, mm. the narrative like driven to, to make me look like an asshole. Oh yeah. Like, and as someone that is building your own content by yourself, you are the master in command of everything that you're doing to relinquish that control to a producer and editor of a show that you have no, uh, say in must've been wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty strange to say the least. Um, and it, there was, there were so many moments where I was like, that's not how I reacted to that. They just used a different <laughs> shot. To, yeah. I was actually smiling when they said, <laughs> <I don't>, I, <laughs> um, but dance showdown was just my whole life. I'd always wanted to dance and I never really, really? like got into it. Yeah. Like 
I love music and I don't know, there's just something, you know, I watch dance videos all the time and I think they're yeah. awesome. Um, so they actually reached out to me and, and was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> do. Um, so they, so they brought me in and, uh, that was actually a very positive experience. And I think, I think based on my experience with reality shows in general, I was sort of able to shape how they, um, interacted with me because, right. you know, when I did the first show, I didn't really know the boundaries and like what I was capable of sort of demanding with my actions. Mm -hmm. But on Dan showdown, I was like straight away, you know, they were trying to create, cause I had a, my dance teacher, um, her name was Maxine, who's, mm -hmm. who's very pretty and very talented. Right. Mm -hmm. So from the get go, they were trying to force this sort of narrative that I was like very attracted to her. Right. And like from the very beginning, I was like, I'm not playing this game, dude. No, this is, I'm not going to give you any fuel for this. Yeah. Um, so they were like, okay, okay. Like they, 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 <laughs> I remember very strictly, there was a point where they were like, all right, let's move on. Like, <laughs> it yeah. was like, cool. Spicy spy. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, um, do you still dance? Is dance still something that you want to add into the 17 billion things that you have going on? <laughs> uh, it is, it, yeah, I like, I still have a very big interest in it. Um, it's, it's, if it's anything, it's a hobby. Um, and it's just a matter of like sitting down and actually doing it. Cause yeah. that's the thing is like nowadays, if I have free time, I either sleep or mm -hmm. I read or I work on some project, you know, or, or spend time with my wife. Like, yeah hobbies are so few far in between now yeah. um except that i've gotten really into magic the gathering but that's a whole nother there you go <laughs> but i have a feeling thing. you're gonna figure out how to monetize that very quickly <laughs> like uh, I, or, I already did actually i opened up go. a <laughs> card channel so. <laughs> you can't be stopped you have to have something just for you uh, i know i know well, well it was a, it was a way to it was getting out of control the hobby was getting out of control so i was trying uh, to find a way to like pay for it there um, you go and then, and then, of course, it became it's like, I love this. Like, of course, I want to share this with an audience. Like, this is great. That's wonderful. Um, speaking of things that you share with an audience, uh, you have launched games, which I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into something like that. It seems like a very easy thing to say that you've done, but I'm sure it's a extremely complicated, complex beast to try and tame. Uh, the first one was Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. Yeah. And for people that aren't familiar, how do you describe that? Um, it is a game where you play as a hot gay dad and you are trying to romance other hot gay dads in your neighborhood. It's what we've all been craving for years. As, uh, I you... mean, that, that's what it is on the surface, but it, it really is it, it enveloped in it is this very wholesome story about family and like raising a kid. And, um, that's, I mean, know, that's, it sounds amazing. I'm I, in learning about this in, in learning about you before this interview. I, I'm, I'm sad that it's only now that I'm learning about this game. Uh, how did the conversation about this game even begin? Um, well, so I've, you know, my whole life, I've sort of been told no about like creative endeavors and stuff. Um, so that's sort of why I carved my own path and something like YouTube was so um, enticing was because it was just like, I could just make what I want and put it out there. Totally. Um, so 
that's sort of the mantra that I've wanted that, that, that I've tried to have with Game Grumps. So, you know, we hire people at Game Grumps to do a specific job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if they have an idea or they have a concept that they want to run with, um, and, you know, I always say as long as somebody's spearheading something, like, it'll end up getting done. Um, and uh, Vernon, who was hired on as a producer for the show aspect of it, um, came to me and just pitched, gave me the elevator pitch for Dream Daddy. And, you know, I, I loved it. And, like, he's, like, he's a, he's a nervous dude. Uh-huh. Um, so to have him like stick his neck out and be like, I really want to spend resources on this and time and like your money on this project. Like that I'm pitching something. this to you. Yeah. yeah. It was like, wow, he, he cares a lot about this enough to like put his non-confrontationalness aside. And um, so I was like, yes, of course. Um, and then we just built the team from there. Like none of us had made a game before. It was our first game. And mm-hmm. um so we just sort of recruited people who knew what they were doing better than us um, and collaborated fully through the whole process. And it ended up being this sensation that we had no, I mean, we were happy to break even, but right. the fact that it did as well as it did was monumental. That's awesome. So how, how long did it take you to develop that game? I believe that was about a year of development. Wow. Um, and that was from the ground up. We, we built that engine um, I know there's engines out there for, for dating sims or whatever, but we built everything from scratch in that game. Wow. I mean, it's it's very impressive. And now you have a new game, Soviet Jump Game. That's right. Um, a little bit of a departure from the gay dad dating game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so take me through this development process. Well, so that was... Um, that was After Dream Daddy, um, you know, when we had like sort of made a name for ourselves as you know, a producer, uh, we started getting pitches from people. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the most part, it was just like, you know, no, we're not, we're not like a big producer. Like we did Dream Daddy because it was a passion project. And, you know, it was, it was sort of like a, in terms of like budget, it was very, very bare bones. It was a very mm-hmm. cheap game. Um, and so, you know, we're getting pitches from people that are like, you know, we need $2 million or whatever. And we're like, whoa, I don't know about that, buddy. And uh, record player scratch. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then we had a dude who, you know, I had played his game in the past. He made a game called Strafe. His name is Tom. Um, and uh, I, so I knew he had the chops and he came to us and it was, it was a very like, it was a very simple, cheap concept mm-hmm. that was like, you know, this is a battle royale inspired by 2D platformers. Um, and that's, that's something that we sort of value a lot at Game Grumps is like this, this idea that you can, um, like, what's the word, compress an idea to like, you know, is, is if you can compress an idea down to like the fewest amount of words, like really simplify it. Yeah. Then it has, then it has traction. Right. And then it's very appealing. Um, so the fact that I can tell you that dream daddy, a dad dating simulator is you play a hot gay dad and you're trying to romance other hot gay dads. Right. Like that's. You have to have that quick elevator pitch for it that yeah. sums everything up. Yeah. So this was like a 2D platformer love letter in a battle royale format. And it's like, nobody's done that yet. This is a great concept. You know, the art was amazing. Um, and we we came up with this whole narrative of releasing it about how it's this old Dendi game that we found. Um, so it was, it just felt like the perfect fit um, that we really liked Tom as a partner. Uh, and so we just went full steam ahead on that. 
That's awesome. And so is, is this officially out and available now or is it? Yes, it, okay. it was in early access for quite a long time because we were, um, you know, building up the player base um, and uh, sort of getting feedback. We were very like face forward about, you know, we started a discord that was basically like, come in, we're doing events, like play the game, tell us exactly what you think. You know, yeah. so a yeah, lot of I, the fans. I assume that you rely heavily on honest feedback from the audience in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because it's, it's such a heavily multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. Um, so having players play all the time and just feeding us, like I found this bug. I, you know, I, I think this could be better, et cetera, et cetera. Like we were always listening to this discord group. Yeah. Um, and it ended up making the game super solid and, so the, the 1.0 version, it's out of early access. It, it officially came out um, last week. Cool. Uh, so, we're, so we're super excited to, to, to get people playing this game because it's so fun. Congratulations. That's a, I, I imagine that's kind of like having a child. <laughs> a, <Thank> yeah. <laughs> it's, any, any creative project is a little bit like, it, it's like sending them off to college or something. It's like, go. Right. Uh, <laughs> Do well. I, I hope, I hope it, do, it goes okay. You know? yeah, don't let them make fun of you. Yeah. Uh, that's wonderful. So now it's out in the world. Uh, do Are you considering more games or is that kind of a, we'll play it by ear as it comes? It, it, it sort of is a little bit. I mean, we do have a couple games that are in development. Um, we really wanted to give a lot of the team members of dream daddy, like sort of a chance to pitch their visions. Oh, that's um, cool. As long as it was, if we were, as we were able to produce it, like be good partners for it. Right. Um, so we've got a couple stuff in the works. Um, that's really all I can say. Cool. <laughs> right keep it, keep it cryptic. Very fun. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations. That's awesome. And it's cool to know that people can go and play it and it's available and you can still, I guess, look for bugs, look for problems if you want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's. Your mother has a healing horse therapy center. That's right. Yeah. Um, so this she's, is incredible. Uh, I, I mean, she's incredible. She's uh, she, she's a horse trainer, so she's incredible at um, at, at taming. She she's sort of has this like miracle horse that was um, that was like this untamable horse that was just this ruthless, relentless horse that that ever that it was just a problem for everybody, and she yeah. ended up taming it, and it became her best horse oh wow um, uh and so she opened up a therapy center for like veterans and victims of sexual abuse and special needs people where you know tending to and learning to ride horses and just being around sort of the the nature of it um is is very healing um and i've experienced that firsthand myself oh they're um, majestic creatures they're they're so like their presence is so uh, overwhelming in a sense. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're they're huge and they're and they're beautiful and they're um, it, it's so easy to form like a connection with a horse like so quickly, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're like when you're riding them and you have to you know control you know how how they're walking and, and it's 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 this total relationship hmm. where you know you understand the horse, the horse understands you. Um, so it's, it's, it's really amazing. And I try, I try every year to, um, to raise money for my mom's charity, oh, uh, nice. so that she can, you know, keep the wheels going on that because it's a completely pro bono charity. You, you can come in wow. and, and 
yeah, there's no like. How cool. There's no admission or anything like that. Uh, and what does uh, what does mom think of the the creative path that you've taken in your adult professional life? <laughs> At this point, she loves it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. She, she's a big fan. She <laughs> always always gives me feedback on the certain series that we're doing, and that's great. Uh, but she has very specific tastes, I think. And, <laughs> and she's and she's not afraid to tell me like that one series you did. I don't like that one. That one is not so great. You <laughs> should stop doing that. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Moms can't help themselves. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's so great. What is it? Uh, what is her program called? The Healing Horse Therapy Center. That's the name. That's the official name of it. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, and it's in Florida. It's in North Carolina now. It North was in Carolina. Florida, but um, they've moved. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. We're going to take one last break. When we get back, we have a bunch of very important Twitter questions for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Okay, Aaron, before we get into these Twitter questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. The first is, who, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Oh, I was expecting, like, get a drink with and then you (laughs) threw the curveball. I mean, it could be considered kind of the same thing if you're both having a great time. (laughs) Because that, I mean, that that one's got easy, it's like Hitler, like way, the bad ones. <laughs> yes, but it can also be seen as a, a, a sign of endearment, a sign of celebration. It can also, uh, yeah, be a, a, a sign of encouragement. Depends on the person. But, so your answer is Hitler? Uh, I mean, I would do more than throw cold spaghetti if I had the <laughs> opportunity. <but. laughs> Okay. Well, the other question I ask every single guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or a close call, but you can only use three words or small phrases. So for example, mine is college jogging front lawn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, it was okay. Um, uh, Grumps screaming okay. wasn't sure. <laughs> I guess. Okay, I appreciate it. I also always appreciate when a guest immediately can recall a story because there are guests that will go, "I've never had that experience," and I'm like, "Oh, you ha- please, you haven't Come lived." <laughs> if you're over 28, you've had a pants shitting story. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's get into these Twitter questions. They're very important. They're very serious. And uh, people want to know some things. So first okay. one, what is worse, a mouthful of bees or a butthole filled with bees? Thank you for your time. <laughs> uh, starting off very sincere. Uh, well, bees won't harm you unless they're provoked. So mm. either is fine with me as long as it is a uh, safe interaction. <laughs> so a mouthful and a butthole full of bees are, are both equally okay for you. I guess a mouthful would probably be easier <laughs> just in general. <laughs> I feel like I would have less control over the butthole situation. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the butthole situation might be a little bit more precarious than the, the mouth situation. <laughs> 
<laughs> Though with the butthole situation, you're still able to scream. So uh, I don't know if that works so well with the mouth situation. I, I am a friend to all bees. I love bees. They're one of my favorite creatures in, in the animal kingdom. So have, I would never scream with an interaction of bees. Good for, have you thought about adding on to the billion things that you're doing beekeeping? Well, I have I actually considered that, yes. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, like, I actually have a side business in which I <laughs> do this already. I mean, we have a little bee house and we, you know, when we garden, we try to plant stuff that bees really love. Oh, that's um, sweet. Yeah. So, the, I mean, because the, you know, bees are always, fra they're fragile creatures in nature mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, are they dying? Are they not dying? And, so, like, I, as much as we can to be like, hey, bees, come, please live and be healthy. Is, we is, are providing you nourishment. Exactly. Uh, okay, next question. Would he rather shit his pants every time he ate fruit or vomit every time he ate vegetables? Oh. Another important question. I didn't know the show would be this blue. <laughs> <laughs> We're very Democrat. Very. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh geez I, I feel like i eat vegetables a lot more so the fruit one yeah i'm with you also i i think vomiting is one of the worst feelings a body can endure so i'm gonna also have to go with the fruit one for that one yeah uh someone wants to know what it, oh go ahead i was gonna say at the very least i could wear an adult diaper if i really wanted an orange 100 percent, and uh in this pandemic, you don't have to be around anyone. So you can be sitting on your toilet and doing work all day long if you need to. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, someone wants to know, what's your favorite song at the moment? Oh. Oh, I'm going to add on to that. What is a dream musical collaboration for you? Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Jeez. A dream. Okay, favorite song right now. I've been listening to a lot of like synthy, sort of like chill '80s inspired, so like Gemini Drive. Okay. Is um, I don't think anybody's ever heard of that. Spotify just makes my daily mix, and I'm like, I like that. And then <laughs> later, I'll check it, and I'll be like, Oh, okay, that's what they're called. Very cool. Um, uh, and uh, Emil Rockmeyer. It's also an artist that I've been really listening to a lot. Sounds um, like a same, like chill, synthy kind of. Uh, but in terms of a dream musical collaboration, mm -hmm. uh, I would love to. And I don't know. It's only because I li listen. This is the age that we live in right now. I have to. I have to couch this in a thousand like parentheticals. Okay. I don't know anything about how this band is. If any of them are dead, if any okay. of them are racist, okay. uh, I only just listen to their music. So, potential um, but, problematic stuff aside. Yes. So the band The Fix from the 80s, I would okay. love to collaborate with for some reason. I just feel like it's such a, they're, they're so strange and cool. Cool. Uh, yeah. And if they're alive, I mean, sounds like it could be a possibility, a reality. Hell yeah. For you. Um, okay. This is a great question. Uh, what video game would you recommend to get people into video games? A Tetris. Oh, yeah. I love Tetris. I'm not a gamer, but that's all I played on like an old school janky computer when I was in high school. 
I would argue it's the best video game of all time. I just saw your song about the straight piece being the best piece in Tetris. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I understood that. I was like, okay, he's not totally out of my realm of understanding games. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, with with those Starbomb songs, it's all about like, come up with a gag that's really like easy for... for universal. Like, it's, it's easy to like hammer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's universal. Totally. Uh, oh, someone wants to know, what is the worst thing that you've ever been paid to draw or say in a voiceover? Mm. Oh. Uh. I, you can also, if you don't want to be negative, you can switch this and say the best thing that you've been paid to draw or say in a voiceover, but entirely up I, to you. For some reason, my voice, my mind goes to um, really early on, I got a I got a job doing a voice role for um, a uh, in like an iPhone game, okay, um, called a uh, Mini Gore. So the the main character was named John Gore, and he was like this, and he talked like this all the time. Fun. Um, so being like a young, inexperienced voice actor, uh, doing that voice and like screaming. And just for hours, oh. and I'm just like, yeah, I can do it. Whatever, I'm you know, fuck it. Like, I'm invincible. And, <laughs> yeah. But so I did that, and I was like, man, that was that was tough. And and so after I did that, you know, I went on my computer and like quietly edited it for you know an hour or two, um, and then sent it off. And then I, you know, I I went to the bathroom and I walked in front of the mirror and I like opened my mouth to just like say something or do a a, a voice or something, and nothing came out. Oh god. And I was, <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> oh, I legitimately just lost my voice and this has oh. never happened to me before. Um, oh, so like for no. the rest of the night, I, I couldn't say a damn thing. Wow. Yeah. You shredded your vocal cords. Yeah. Do you do any um, like voice preservation on a regular basis? Like, do you do the Celine Dion? I'm not talking for 24 hours before a performance kind of thing. <laughs> um, sometimes because there is like there's a quality of like gravel that comes to the voice when you like use it for a good hour mm -hmm. um so if i know like that i'm going to a record where the character needs to be a little like nasally or a little gravelly i'll just you know talk to myself in the car while on the way there just to sort of like get it warmed up but like yeah. i don't do any i don't do any like you know uh like right 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 exercises. Rubber um, baby buggy bumper. Yeah. All of <laughs> I've, those. I've, I've, for some reason, I've just been able to go with it. I just, the, the pipes are just very solid at this You've point. Maybe your because lesson. I did the mini course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Someone wants to know what song did you have to hit the dance floor to at your middle school dance? I did never, I was not that kid. I never <laughs> went to those. I did not do those. Never ever. Uh, there you go. I'm glad that middle school, just the phrase middle school dance has us all going, uh, no, thank you. I don't even know if I had a middle school dance. Like I can't remember. Oh, uh, where'd you grow up? Florida? Yeah. Oh, you for sure had some kind of crazy middle school dance in Florida. <laughs> uh oh, okay. Here's an interesting question. What does Aaron feel uh it holds for the future of arts and communications? Uh, and if he has any ideas or plans for the future of Game Grumps in the long term. What, what was that first question? What do you feel it holds for the future of arts and communications? I'm going to uh, hone this in a little bit. What do you think the future of 
YouTube animation holds if you have any predictions on it. I know it's kind of wild to see into the future in that sense, but if you have like, I mean, it's been a wild ride in that genre, I feel like till now. Do you have any ideas where it's going? Um, I, hmm. Or is it just kind of unpredictable and you're kind of riding the wave as you see it developing? Well, it's, I mean, it's like, it's making all these things like fire. So I'm like trying to organize it. Um, I, I think what we're seeing happen, you know, if, if, if I can compare like early YouTube to now is we're, we're seeing like much bigger production in, in a lot of stuff. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and I think it's become even more clear, uh, during this time because so many of us, myself included, like we had a show that was very produced, right? Like we would go into the office and we had a stage and we had lights and we have a director and, um, and we, we basically put that show on hiatus because we can't do it from home. Right. It, it just, it just can't be like how it was. Um, but I think that's something that is going to be much huger because now, you know, in the early days of YouTube monetization, it was all about, you know, those automatic ad revenue things. But now it's, you're seeing almost in every video now, there's a sponsorship, right? right. There's, there's a, um, cause that's reliable, right? You know, if I release a video, you know, once a month, twice a month, whatever, I'm going to make X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can use X amount of dollars to pay a production team, do this level of production, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think the consistency that comes with that, um, that sort of model uh, is going to drive more like consistently produced content mm. um, because so much of the appeal in early YouTube was just like, Hey, it's just a bunch of kids with cameras. Bah! Like where else are you going to see this? Yeah. Um, yeah. But nowadays it's like, you still have that ability to be like, this is the show that I want to make. Um, but I'm competing with so many other people now. Right. And you know, at the very end of the day, people still want to see good audio quality, like good editing. Um, so like I find myself watching now, like channels that are sort of in between. It's like, it's, Mm. it's a girl or a dude or whoever who's like, this is my show and this is what I do, but clearly they know lighting. They know how to like set up cameras and stuff. It's very fluid. And it has that, that it still has like a homemade feel, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, this is clearly not just like, "Hey, I'm here and I'm recording." Right. It's, it's like I set up the camera here. Professionalism yeah. to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, th- I think the future is, is somewhere in between because there's always going to be the big studios that make like the huge productions Glossy and that's, things. Yeah. But then you're going to have the Philip DeFranco's that like, you know, it's very produced, but also it's just a dude and the camera and a set. And mm-hmm. at the very end of the day, that's you know that's, that's how it, fe- it feels more intimate. Yeah. No, that's, uh, it's interesting. I've been gathering that kind of information from a lot of people and it seems to be all kind of tracking the same way that the authenticity ish of someone seemingly doing their own production is still what people want to watch. Even if, you know, behind the scenes, there's 10 people off camera helping it look like a one person show situation. I I think there's a sweet spot between like, 
fluff and because if you watch like a good morning america or something it's just like there's so much fluff and like stuff to get through and i feel like content on youtube is targeted it's like i'm watching this video because of x thing right Mm -hmm. like it's not it's not like this show that has to appeal to everyone it's like no this is a news show we tell the news in the first minute like and and we're done you know like if you want a recipe the recipe starts at the 30 second mark you know like it's it's very targeted as opposed to just it's a production whatever yeah uh that's interesting very i thank you for those insightful thoughts those are very helpful uh okay last question what has kept you motivated in the eight years that you've done game grumps um just that it's fun Mm. i mean it's like i'd figure something else out to do if it wasn't fun yeah um you know, at time, you know, there's parts of when I talk about that, I mean, doing the show, right? Like at the end of the day, if I decided to like walk away from it all, I'd probably still do the game grumps show, um, with Dan, we just sit down and we play games and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the hard part is like the, the boss stuff, the, sure. the meetings and the decision makings and the running a um, company. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think that's what keeps it going is that it's, it's, it's fun. If it wasn't fun, I would, I'm not the kind of person that would just do it because like push through. It, yeah. It, it makes me money and it's my living or what it's like. I would come up with something else mm-hmm. that's much more fun. Um, I mean, that's how game grumps came to. It was just, a, I was already fine yeah. um, with, with what I was doing before that. And it was just like, this is fun. I want to keep exploring this. That's great. Um, I also think for your audience, that's like so reassuring that they know that you're having fun doing it, that they can rely on the fact that you're, the content gets made because you enjoy it. And and I think, and we've sort of been honest about that. You know, it's obviously like if I'm like, everybody has days where it's like, fuck it all. Screw. I don't want to do this. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm going back to school. I'm going to be an accountant. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, but like you know, publicly, it's like, people know, like, ah, man, you know, I'm in a weird spot right now. Um, we try to be sort of open about that stuff. And, you know, lately, it's been awesome. We, we recently did a format change for, we put out like 10 minute episodes before, and now we're doing like 30 minute episodes. Cool. And just that little change um, really just like rekindled. So it's just a completely different relationship now where we don't have to like stop and start all the time. That's awesome. Um, that, that, it makes it so much more enjoyable. That's great. And it's also nice for you to like pivot, shift a little bit, get something that reignites what the core was of making this content to begin with. Like that I think is so important because the audience knows when you're faking it. The audience knows when you're lying through your teeth that it's, you can't get one over on them. So it's important that you connect with what you're doing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This has been super fun. Before we wrap up completely, usually when we do the podcast in person, we gift our guest a fortune cookie personalized for being here. But um, because we're doing it digitally, we have a digital fortune cookie that I believe has been sent oh, to you. That it if has. You, wonderful. If you're um, able to read that out loud for everyone, that would be so lovely. Okie doke. Uh, I've got a beautiful little image right here of a fortune cookie. And when I scroll <laughs> down, it cracks open. <gasps> Surprise. You're not the only one that can do animation. <laughs> so here is, here is my fortune, which is very, 
long and I don't know if any printer would be able to. Yeah, it's a bit wordy. Uh, this isn't exactly a fortune, but a way to make sure you are aware of the following book review by Ron Cox on Goodreads. This is for uh, our book, um, Ghost Hunters Adventure Club and the Secret of the Grand Chateau, written by my uncle, Dr. Cecil H. H. Mills, right, who I because, absolutely hate. Uh, yeah, we haven't even had a chance to talk about that other thing that uh, happens in your world, which is writing novels occasionally. So <laughs> That was my uncle, though. I, I didn't uh, have anything to do with that. He just true. wanted me to promote it. My, fair, well, my mom fair. wanted me to promote it. Fair, fair, fair. Um, it, the review reads, Thank God for the coronavirus. Okay. <laughs> Starting off with a bang. It forced me to relax and listen to my son as he read aloud parts of this book. Hilarious. Ah, thank God the virus has lasted long enough to finish this book. I feel like there's a lot more going on than that, but okay. Lots of fun. <laughs> Starting with the cover that looks like a Hardy Boy slash Nancy Drew addition to the, letter, to the letters from the readers. Please, Dr. Cecil H.H. H. Mills, grace us with another book soon. That is very sweet, and I will pass it on to my horrible uncle, who I hate. Oh, wonderful. Hopefully your horrible uncle has some writing in his uh, in his future. Erin, um, where can people find everything that you are doing if they don't already know? Um, game Grumps is YouTube.com slash Game Grumps. Go check it out. That's our gaming channel. Um, if you want to check out the book, Ghost Hunters Adventure Club at the Secret of Grand Chateau, uh, that is available anywhere books are sold. Um, and audiobook just released uh, and you can get that on band camp i believe read by your uncle yes he narrated it wow even though he has uh, a voice actor nephew who loves working uh he decided to narrate it on his own what a dick (laughs) yeah um and then uh soviet jump game is available on steam and it's absolutely free you can just download it and play it that's Um, amazing yeah it's uh it's battle royale, so you know we want as many people on there as possible. So take it, play it. It's fun. It's a whole game. There's no like pay to win stuff. It's just play it. It's it's awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you for this lovely conversation. I learned a lot, and uh, I have to go now. I want to go download Tetris again and just rekindle my love for that. Yeah. Uh, guys, make sure you check out everything that this man is up to. He is has no shortage of artistic endeavors for you to enjoy. Thank you again so much for the conversation. We'll see you guys next time on Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. (laughs) 